Chapter 18 The Place of Solitude Where Three Dreams Cross Bill, Tony, Annie, Franz, Jane, Albert, Kurt, Arundhati, Ernest, Mary, T.S., Ralph, Ed, Nadine, Leo, Juno, W.B., Jean-Paul, Alan, Carlos, Margaret, John, Hermann, Jumpa, the Bard. Snip, snip into pile of assorted cutouts. Red, yellow, green, black, purple, orange, gray, blue, white, pink. Kathunk, kathunk, into stapled latticework, multi-hued across the vast bulletin board. Alex and Mamiya, the collage artists with scissors and stapler. Teamwork. Our first artistic collaboration since my kidhood. Forgotten skills unleashed from overlong confinement. This is how it used to be. A rainy day. Check. Us alone together in the house. Check. Shapes and glue, paper, scissors. Markers spread across the table. Check. A tape of jolly tunes on the boombox. Not anymore, but still in our heads. Mamiya humming the Rainbow Connection by Kermit the Frog. Me whistling along. Joy billowing from our endeavors. Still now, vortex of laughter whirling in my gut. A kind of homesick ecstasy. So rare as an adult to be thoroughly content with what I was doing, to be sure of it. Collage was ever my medium of choice. Mamiya had brought in plants to humanize the tall gray file cabinets lining my classroom. Notice how easily I took possession of it. My classroom. Chipped cinder block walls, stained carpet, tattered acoustic ceiling tiles, pen-engraved tablet desks, and all. Amazing the pace at which such a room can be demolished by its spirited inhabitants, each of whom wants to leave a literal mark on it. I remember carving an A-plus on the underside of my desk, to stand for my winning Alex self, and for the grade I strove to claim without effort. Hirsch tattooed his desk with a leering satyr whose large erect member kept any of the girls from sitting there. Maybe I could work that story into a pointless reminder to my students about not writing on their desks. The students were mine, too. Rain flew splat at the windows. The storm was quickening, a welcome respite from the summer's drought. I paused to watch Mamiya staple a colorful basket weave of construction paper along the upper edge of the bulletin board. She was a craft genius who could see the creative potential in any scrap. I was the idea man in this partnership, and she the one who knew how to realize my vision. As with this project, when I wanted to transform the bulletin board from a random pinup place into a work of riveting literary and artistic merit, Mamiya suggested the cutouts of famous authors' heads. When she saw the board itself, littered with marker sketches, She added the paper backdrop. 
and another idea, which I wish had been mine, but give her full credit for, to leave spaces among the authors for inserting images of the students, put their heads up there with the literary greats to encourage them to think of themselves as writers, and, of course, to give them a reason to love the board. Brilliant concept and fun. What a team Mamiya and I were. When I was five, she gave me a stack of National Geographic magazines to cut up. Papito was slow to get on board with their destruction, thinking they might someday be valuable like old baseball cards. But when he checked the price of back issues, he shrugged off the lost fortune that never was. I had an art box to store all the cutouts for a rainy day or whenever I felt a collage coming on. Mamiya added wrapping, crepe, and tissue paper. Very odds and total ends from the rag bag. I could cut and paste with unwavering enthusiasm all day, my attention span mysteriously waxing over a hundred times longer than at school. Mamiya hung in there with me during these creative binges, playing at making her own collages, but never gluing anything down in case I wanted to use it. She sketched a lot, and when I asked, taught me the rudiments of figure and landscape drawing. Her great talents, art, and patience, though it was literature she truly loved. While we collaged, we talked. Stories, dreams, family history, religion, philosophy, life and death questions, all were fertile ground for cultivating. I could ask her anything, tell her everything. We built a fortress of intimacy, large enough only for ourselves. Once settled inside it, no interruption could breach it. She'd answer the phone, put in a load of laundry, then come back, and we'd go on as if her absence had never happened. It was so easy till I became conscious of others' view in from the ramparts. Embarrassed, I took off with the marauding hordes of adolescent boys, left Mamiya holding down the fort of our collage days. As she was still doing, the bulletin board now a tapestry of color, the radiant focal point of the room. Fantastic, I applauded her. She bowed appreciatively. It was an immaculate weave, tight and bold. The joins, staples, were nigh invisible. For a flash, I pondered whether we should just leave it at that, but of course not. Bring in the clowns with markers and it would soon be graffiti. Stay with the plan. Even so, some of the authors would soon have unusual facial hair, horns, fangs, who knew what all. Yet, less room for the crude on a bunch of faces. I scooted the pile of cutouts toward Mamiya, who began idly arranging them. The fun part, which she was only amusing herself with till the master artist put his hand to it. Never expected to be this happy again. I wished Tiger were here with us, stretched out on the frayed rug purring or stalking the corners of the room for edible insects and leftovers. The incorrigible hunter who had never regretted a kill. I admired his absence of conscience and certainty of purpose. He was a critter on a mission that surpassed the mere survival imperative. He took pride in sating his predatory instincts for their own sake. Hunted to hunt, slew to slay. 
and he was a rabid advocate of torture, God love him, though he had slacked off a bit since the arrival of Montenegro. It had been a week, Lori and La Negra showing up with the late summer rains, storming fierce every afternoon. Lori, here, with Mamia and me, pregnant with twins, having split irreparably from Joaquin, who wanted no children. It would have been a dream come true if at least one of those babies wasn't mine, not her preference and the reason she'd lost her greatest love. Nothing I'd learned from her directly, mind you. She was speaking to me like a house guest I barely knew, courteous and reserved. Mamia, Shelley, she treated like the mother friend she'd always yearned for, a woman she trusted and adored unconditionally. All I learned about what had happened and why Lori was now staying here came filtered through Mamia, Earth Mother Goddess. We'd had some warning, I'll bet more than Joaquin had. Letters to Shelley, deep phone calls. I'm sure lots of talk about me, because even though Mamia didn't know about our tryst and the baby that likely grew from it and my hasty eviction, she was around during the coma months, which is when she and Lori got very close. The story of the pregnancy, as passed along to me, opened with Lori's seduction of Joaquin a terrible plan launched by her fear of losing him and the absurd conviction that he would want a child after his near-death encounter. She hadn't been in her right mind, nor had he, still wasn't, but his fury had become unendurable. He hated her and her unintentionally two babies. I had once again emerged from a ruinous course unscathed. Confession time shadowed me, its reproachful footfalls echoing through the dank halls of imprisoned conscience. Where would I go after Mamiya threw me out? Shake it off. Hold on to your Kalajarama sweet spot. Snip, snip. George, Zadie, Oscar, Vlad, Elizabeth, Aldous, Jorge, Scott, Anne, Nathaniel, Leo, Alice. Hunter, Fyodor, Emily, Charlotte, Sherman. Remember how good it is to have your own room separate from the house, which is now the women's territory. Hated that room where you'd lain after the fire, listening to Trudel talk smack about you with Mamiya, where you'd hold up after Lori exiled you. Remember how much you like that space over the garage, the privacy, its simple furnishings and layout, your stuff uncomplicated by layers of others. Had Lori to thank for that. And having her here. It was good to be around her even as a distant housemate. Montenegro and Tiger reunited like they'd never been apart. Like they knew they always would be. I could hardly wait for the babies. Are we going to let Joaquin know when she goes into labor? My question cut the silence. She's sure he won't come. Mamiya paused to look at me. He's your friend. I think it's up to you to decide. It's up to her. He's hurt her so badly, she won't do it. But speaking as a woman, I believe she'd want him by her side. Speaking as a man, I can't believe he wouldn't want to be. 
Lamia smiled. Then do it. She'll never know you did if he doesn't come. And if he does, maybe they'll find their way back to each other and become a family. Lamia, the indefatigable optimist. You'll get your chance, sweetheart. And when you become a father, I promise to be the most attentive, doting grandmother any child ever had. If only she knew what a pig I am. Hey, well, you'll get a shot at it come October. The DG, designated grandma to the twins. Only Grandma Lori's kids will have. There's Clarice, don't forget. She's the one who's forgotten. Hasn't been in touch with Joaquin in over a year. I intend to phone her, with Lori's consent. See if she'd like to come up from Vista Grande for a long weekend. Get acquainted with the sweet woman carrying her grandchildren. They might grow to be very close. The indefatigable optimist. Frank? I don't know. We still email intermittently. I'd like to tell him, after the birth, but that's really the family's call. Clarice, Lori, and Joaquin, if he comes. If he doesn't, I'd be more inclined to invite Frank to meet his grandchildren, which of course he'd love to, I think. It's a complicated family. You can be sure that if Frank comes, Joaquin won't. He's not a forgive-and-forget kind of guy. I mentioned in an email meeting Frank, said that he was a changed man. Joaquin replied, watch your back. Mamiya shook her head. He may find, as he grows older, that grudges become too heavy to carry. I can't bear to hold one for long anymore. Frank did try to kill him. Would have if he hadn't been so drunk. That's bigger than a grudge. Oh, yes, but I still believe the twins can bring about some kind of reconciliation. An uneasy truce at best. Lightning flashed us, bearing the sky and its torrential outpouring. Aroused me, as fear that thrills can. The heavens crashed in headlong thunder, a satisfying rumble. I'd have to confront Lori. Talk honestly with her before spilling my guts to Mamiya. Or I could also do nothing. Lori told me once that if Joaquin had been a girl, he would have been named Miranda, Mamiya continued. She'll use that name if one of the twins is. And she insists on giving her Michelle as a middle name, if either is a girl. I hope they both are. Stranger as the surname? Yes, it's a lot better than her own. Which is? Mud, one D. No one ever said it. I see why. She wouldn't use it even if it were lovely. Her foster family was awful to her. I stood up. Done. On the table, we marked off an area the size of the bulletin board, laid the heap of cutouts right at the border. Mamiya moved aside and sat down where I'd been to give me the prime arranging spot. Serious collage design work about to begin. Oh, yeah. I hope you and Lori get to know each other and become friends, Alex. She took such extraordinary care of you. Mamiya was gathering my cutout scraps into a pile to throw away. To a large extent, you owe her your life. I know you're angry with her for leaving Joaquin. Well, for putting him in a spot where she had to leave him. But she's a very dear young woman. Please give her a chance. 
The shadow looms, another perfect opening to tell Mamiya the truth. And then what? She's terribly disappointed in me, but she insists I tell Joaquin and recast Lori's actions in light of mine, the end result being that both of them hate me, and Joaquin is even less willing than before to take responsibility for the kids. If I'm the DG, you're the DF, my beloved son, or at least a sort of father-uncle. Like Oedipus? Like many men who take over when the male caregiver is out of the picture. But Joaquin may show. They could make you the godfather. Scarface, that works. I moved WB next to Annie, then switched him for Oscar, the wild man. Mamiya slid Jumpa and Kurt toward me. Good call, their heads a striking contrast. I just had a thought, Alex. Why don't we put a shot of your head in the midst? For the kids to discover as they scan the images. It might make them ask if you're up there. Why shouldn't they be on the board, too? That way it's their idea. They're invested in it rather than having you do it for them. They could even supply the photos, which you were planning to take. Perfect. I high-fived her. Who's the born teacher here? She laughed. This is the most fun I've had in quite some time, Mamiya. The rain pounded affirmation. We paused for snacks she'd brought along. PBJs and apple slices with peach mango smoothies, healthy and sweet. Chatted about the author's the exterior view in relation to the interior that emerged in their work, so often the two disparate. Mamiya added some stories about their lives to my repertoire. She asked about my writing, which at present was not happening and not imaginable. An amiable conversation, easy and safe. So much to say unsaid, but the currents of goodwill continued to buoy us. The literary heads aligned themselves with remarkable compliance, considering how ornery many of those wearing them were. Except for Hunter, the fringe rider, who ended up dead center, leering cadaverously at Mary like some figure out of nightmare, which didn't seem fair to her. As I was contemplating a different placement, Mamiya took and printed some pics of me, one of them goofy enough to face down Hunter's smirk. I moved us both to the left and gave Mary her beloved Percy to ogle, bowing to the romantic romantics, a gesture Mamiya heartily approved. There are so many captivating tales to tell the students about those two. By mid-afternoon, our masterpiece dazzled in the fresh sunlight that, in typical southwestern fashion, had effortlessly shoved aside the storm and claimed the day. Drips a shimmer, drains a gurgle, Streets ablaze and drying fast. The air was still cool, but weighted with a rare humidity. We took several shots of the collage's pristine beauty, then set about washing and disinfecting every surface in the room. Mamiya had awakened the urge to start clean, and we knew no one would get there as thoroughly as the two of us. The rows of desks became a circle, one for me among them. Tables lined the east wall, and off to the side squatted a large, ancient wooden teacher's desk Mamiya had unearthed at a used furniture store, scrubbed, stained, waxed, and polished to sheeny perfection. My headquarters. I felt instructive sitting in it. Less than a week before school started, 
ready to go. Late afternoon, weary but triumphant, we returned home to find Lori stirring a pot of chili stew she'd made. I remembered that it was the one dish Joaquin knew how to make and had taught her. The meals she'd learned to cook from her foster mother were not worth sharing, sprung as they had from parts of wild and domestic animals that folks wouldn't eat if they could afford better. She'd been twig skinny for more than one reason growing up. The stew wafted a delicious scent through the house, a fitting but unexpected welcome for the hungry art stars and janitorial staff. Mamia was effusive in her praise, and I joined in, a harmless setting in which to speak warmly to Lori, who brightened in the stream of our compliments. Going back for seconds, I passed her in the kitchen, said quietly, It's nice to have you here. Please let me know if there's anything I can do to make your life easier. In reply, she gave me a stricken look, a woman starved for kindness. If Joaquin had only said those words to her once. I didn't mean to take your room. Glad you did. Living above the garage makes me feel like a man. A wan flicker. The cats have things worked out. Of their own volition, Tiger and Montenegro split their time between my room and Lori's, gifting us each our fair share of their company, like kids of a divorced couple. The garden, however, remained their favorite spot when it was sunny and unsuspecting prey happened by. Not that our majestic pair of felines hadn't laid claim to the entire neighborhood. They had, other cats watching them furtively from porches and bushes. But while all the lands as far as they could stalk were theirs, the heart of their territory remained the garden. There they washed each other, swatted insects, slept entwined, play-boxed like kittens occasionally. The only ones with a perfectly harmonious, idyllic relationship, I noted with a twinge of bitterness, and absolute faith in being reunited, despite the unfathomable stupidity of their humans. Or perhaps, in some highly advanced way we couldn't grasp, they had remained connected when they were apart, physical absence a manageable impediment to their happiness. I'm glad they're back together. It's so good of Shelley and you to take us in. Ah, a crack in the glacier that I intended to widen into a fissure, ultimately melting enough of the substrata to plunge into a real conversation with her. Start from an oblique angle, talking about my new career to both her and Mamiya, show them the curricula I was mapping out, solicit their advice, allow the exchange of ideas and stories to become a natural part of our days. As she got used to talking with me, I could begin to get a little more personal, first about her health and the advance of the pregnancy, offer to drive her to the docks when Mamiya was busy, cook dinner with her, slipping in a few savory techniques as I did, invite her for an evening walk afterward. Mamiya would back me up fully, pleased to encourage our friendship. As September drew to mid, see if I had a sufficient clearing to apologize for the part I played in the baby's conception, offer to go public with my guilt and accept the blame and contempt sure to follow. Would she allow that? Would she ever consider a DNA test to see who the baby's father might be? One of each is what I think we both suspected, but what would be the consequence of knowing the father's identity? 
If it were Joaquin, I'd never have to confess. If they were mine, I would, and then take full responsibility, try to woo Lori into a platonic marriage for the sake of the children. I could whittle away at the platonic part, and in a decade or so, she might relent, even if she never came to love me. Getting ahead of yourself, Bug, as ever. Just get the dishes done and head up to your room, after, don't forget, kissing Mamiya goodnight and thanking her again for all her help. She's amazing, like a magnet for those in need. We all stick to her. The first day of school bore down with an inexorable rush. Oh no. Oh yes. Here it is. Opening ceremonies, welcome back and introduction of new teachers, step forward, smile and bow, then on with the day. Seventeen seniors in my first section, thirteen in the next, then fifteen, eighteen, and twelve more in my AP English class. Two other teachers, to my relief a woman who was only moderately popular and a middle-aged, paunchy man, taught the three other sections of seniors and the seven junior sections. I had met both and intended to blow them out of the water, politely. The reputation that preceded me from last spring needed some undoing and updating. I was the teacher who gave everyone A's and didn't assign papers and told the greatest stories. All true, yet not how things were going to go this year. I decided to set the record straight right off by telling them to address me as Mr. Mann, took role assiduously, warned them that I might be assigning seats, ever an effective way of ending sidebar chatter, then launched directly into an overview of the curriculum, handing out textbooks and assignment due dates, the first an essay by Stephen Hawking on determinism, due tomorrow. Only after this barrage of information did I ease into a story about how I sat through the wrong English class my first day of ninth grade. I ended class with a pre-reading mystery game to fuel their interest. It was a successful strategy, I decided, as I steered Pac-Man 2 toward home. The man is no pushover, but still fun. He has a wicked sense of humor, and he's young enough to get us. Alexander the Conqueror. A plus, my day one takeaway. An expansive replay livened the dinner hour. Too full of myself to have much of an appetite for Mamiya's green chili enchiladas, I dominated the table, giving big answers to little questions. For dessert, I served tomorrow's reading quiz. Both members of my captive audience had generously agreed to help me out by doing the reading assigned to my students, and now both took the quiz perfect scores for each. Mamiya followed up with excellent suggestions for clarifying a couple of the queries. Lori, who had said almost nothing till then, asked why I chose this piece as the opening reading, a great kid challenge that I was glad she'd reminded me to prepare for, and it took me a couple of minutes to smooth out my explanation of the connection to Tralfamador, where Vonnegut's Slaughterhouse-Five hero, Billy Pilgrim, spent his happiest hours. Over the dishes, which we did together, Mamiya asked where I wanted tomorrow's discussion to go and how I'd get it there. It was nearly bedtime when we finished, but I felt kite high, adrenaline to charge into class on zero sleep. The cats striping my bed shifted my mind to off, and I was out before I was drowsy. 
A week in, I felt more confident than ever that teacher blood coursed through my veins. A congenital gift imprinted somewhere on my DNA strands. The kids who felt most comfortable, read Alpha Boys, ventured to call me Teacher Man, and in turn, I gave them nicknames, eschewing the ones they already had in favor of my superior tags grown by observation. In my class, you're bony. Put on a few LBs and I'll change it to beast. I was, in education parlance, creating community. And at home, continuing industriously to slither my way into Lori's good graces. She was enormous now, still six weeks out from her due date in late October, but the doc was convinced the twins would be born in less than three, which was within the normal range. She was slightly dilated and dauntingly active for a woman carrying such a load. When I could tear myself away from teacher man, I learned quite a bit about pregnancy and birth. Procedures, positions, processes. I could talk stages of labor, Lamaze breathing techniques, a thinning cervix, breech baby rotation, water breaking, the episiotomy, crowning, and placenta. Knew the pros and cons of the epidural, a cesarean section, of pitocin drips, and circumcision. Lori was firmly opposed to any intervention in the birthing process. She had assisted in the delivery of many babies during her nursing days, and back on the farm, of piglets, pups, and kittens. Her preference would have been to give birth at home, but with twins, the risks were too high. She'd seen women lying helpless, numb like slabs from the waist down, while the doctor brought their babies the easiest way for them, the mother simply a receptacle rather than the vehicle of birth. That would not be her experience. With Joaquin out of the picture, this was her one chance at motherhood, and she would bear her children with minimal assistance. No anesthesia, no drip, no forceps, no cutting her belly open. None of that for Nurse Lori. Mamia and the doctor tried to soften her position with any means to an end arguments, but Lori was uncompromising. She wanted to be fully present throughout, to give birth rather than be delivered of her babies. She rubbed her stomach constantly. We all three were aware that the time and Lori were ripe. Thursday evening of week the second, as we were finishing our roast chicken and pesto, Lori caught her breath. A sudden pain had rippled across her features, light sweat erupting on her upper lip and brow. Mamia had her coach's bag packed, was ready to walk out the door, but Lori held up her hand to wait, wait a minute. The sharp jab passed, and she could breathe again. Her water hadn't broken, no need to go yet but it was a sign that put us on high alert. She let me walk her to her room, then wanted to go out and walk along the sidewalk lane behind our garden, which led to a pocket park with a bench under a silver maple tree. We walked gingerly in silence, her arm in mine, both expecting another stab and a small deluge from between her legs. At the bench, I helped her get settled and let her rest before seating myself beside her. Full moon tomorrow night, I noted, well aware, as was she, 
that more babies are born when the moon is full. She inclined her head toward me, facing the evening wind, eyes closed, and inhaled deeply. As though we'd entered the viewfinder of a movie lens, the surroundings blurred and the camera zoomed in on a close shot of the duo on the bench. Right on cue, she opened her eyes, directly into mine. Go ahead, you can talk about it. Not taken in by the friendship dance, little Lori. She'd known from the start that I was circling ever tighter around that night, our night, looking for the time and means to address what had happened then and since. I'm sorry, Lori. I'm really sorry. Felt so often, never spoken. It takes two. You were in shock. Unfair advantage for me. I wish you'd told Joaquin that. Thought you were on birth control. I use a... I would have been if I'd imagined... Us. How could you have? Or that you'd been whirling in the maelstrom of my consciousness for weeks, months. Your voice, hands, breath. I knew you. Woke up in love with you. And I remain so. Sleeping beauty. Ugly, and I remain so. Woke up to save Tiger's life, and Montenegro's, from my stupidity. The intimate flow between us encouraged me to wade in. Lori, I want at least one of these babies to be mine, so bad. We'll never be sure, she pulled away. I don't intend to find out. What if they... No! Abrupt, vehement, punctuated by a struggle to rise without my help. Always pushing your luck, Dumbo. Flying without big ears or a feather. I stood up, tried to catch her elbow. She twisted to get away, staggered, and like a boulder, toppled. On her stomach. On the babies. On the concrete. Before I could grasp the magnitude of her fall, and how would I ever get her back on her feet, the water started to pool. Ma! Mamia! Help! Screaming into the night while I yanked my phone from its carrying case. Lori's body constricted in agony, her face torn. Babies. Oh, her babies. I swallowed down the bile, crouched beside her, whispering her skin with my hand. Mamia, the ambulance, the EMTs. Us following them at high speed, the IV, surgery center, me shut out behind the doors, Shelley going in, walking beside her at Lori's insistence, the antiseptic bathroom where I threw up, gagging on snot, on rage, on fear, moaning desperate prayers to a god I'd never heeded. Please don't let them die. Please, please save them. My children, my children, my children, don't let them die. My father, my Hirsch, my children. Staggering against the toilet, door, sink, clutching the stained steel, shaking in a frantic effort to empty myself of craziness, untremble my voice before hauling out the phone to call Joaquin. To say she's in labor. She had a bad fall. Come, be with her. I don't know what's going on. You need to be here, Joaquin. Joaquin, hurry! Then breaking down again when he says he's on his way a cramped, pleading ball on the tile floor. 
drifted into a vision that opened a door into the breezy rocking of a golden rocking chair, moved slowly up the ornate spindles from behind, heard before I saw the tots, their gurgles and squeals, a man's voice cooing to them, tufts of his hair cresting the chair's oaken back, peeked noiselessly over his shoulder at my own frame, in my arms, on my knees, the twins rocking. Cherubic pink and blue, to and fro, and while the motion lasted, all three of us sublimely happy, together alone, to remain in the eternal present. I eased into the rhythmic sway, comforted by the promise of the scene. All will be well, and all manner of thing will be well. Pitched forward by the clangor of a phone in my grip, the phrase, I charge you with disturbing the peace, rushed through the gape in my memory, directed at the floor. Time had fractured, and I had no hope of piecing the slivers into a coherent, sequential whole. Cases in point. When had I called Joaquin? I remembered sitting beneath the maple with Lori. But why were we there? At what time of day? And now? What caused her fall? We were at the hospital, but how did we get here? Were the babies born? I'd just seen them, little Miranda and the boy. But that couldn't have happened yet. It seemed unlikely. Who could fill the ragged edges where the splinters of time no longer connected? The phone. Alex, where are you? The place of solitude where three dreams cross. Where? I reconsidered the question. On the floor. Which floor? I've been up and down every floor. Floors were not vertical surfaces to scale unless there had been a great change in the tilt of the earth. I wondered how to ask. Which room? There you go, an easy one to lob over the net. The bathroom. Silence. Had I made a mistake, disclosing my location? Or did they call this space something different now? The room with the stainless steel sinks and urinals and toilets behind doors and soap and little oblong dispensers and paper towels to pull down from a black rectangular dispenser and... Just keep talking, sweetheart. I'll find you. Mamia? I'm coming. The babies? I'll be right there. One conviction I knew I'd had before opening the door was that if the babies died, I would too. A man can only take on so much guilt before his conscience bursts. She brought an orderly in green hospital clothes with her. A soft-limbed fellow who helped me up without bruising my raw core. The orderly and my mother guided me to a room with a bed. So thoughtful of them, I wished I could have told them. But now that I was back in their world, I had lost my voice. I pondered whether we should return for it no doubt rotting in some corner of the bathroom, unless I'd flushed it down the john. An image of my voice with a balloon yelling, Help me! Save me! As it was sucked into the drain pipe made me laugh. A prick. Then the blessing of void. <laughs>